Welcome to Remodel Your Life. We are shining the light on women working in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female cabinet maker in California in bringing together kitchen remodeling and working with your hands for a living. Welcome your host, Camille Finan. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for coming back. Um, Today's going to be kind of an interesting guest for the show. You know, almost every single week I get women calling from my audience, talking about some struggle that's going on on the job site or in their work. And invariably, it comes back to so many times they just don't feel good about themselves as women. And so, um, you know, they're scared to take chances. They're scared to move forward. They're scared to ask for the thing they want. So I've brought on today an amazing guest, Jenna Banks, who's going to talk about self-love. She has a brand new book coming out. I love it. She's going to talk about this concept of women really owning their power, especially if they're in a spot where they feel uncomfortable. So Jenna, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, what a great introduction. Thank you so much for having me, Camille. Yeah. So talk a little bit about this book and maybe, you know, share the title. I love the title and like, why this book? Why, why now? Right. Why is this book so important right now? Yeah, yeah, I know. Thanks for asking. So the title is I Love Me More, How to Find Happiness and Success Through Self-Love. And, you know, the reason why I wrote it is and why it's important today is I had a really uh, traumatic history myself. So I came from a very, very strict home. I basically lived in a bubble. It was almost like a cult. It was a very strict religious home and it was oppressive. I was an abusive situation. Um, And, you know, I I was tired of it at the age of 14. I finally stood up for myself. I harnessed this energy within me that was scared, frightened and whatever, but I'm like, I can't live like this anymore. There's got to be more to life than this. And I stood up to my father, who was my oppressor. That's the way I felt about it. And, and I was like, look, I don't want to be here anymore. He's like, where would you go? I said, well, I'd love to live with my mom, but I kind of idolized her in my mind thinking that it would be so much better, right? The grass is always greener, but I didn't really know her. I saw her like once a year at best and, and she wasn't really an active mother in my life. So she said, yes, let me come stay with her. And man, let me tell you, it was like jumping from one fire to the next. It was a oh. very, um, abu- another abusive situation, but mentally abusive. Um, and so she had emotional problems and it was just really, really hard on me. I would come home and sometimes all the dishes would be broken on the floor because of too many messages on the answering machine that were mine, you know, things like that. And she just would kick me out. So starting at the age of 14, she started just locking the doors if she didn't like something and I couldn't get in the, in the house. Right. So I'm living with friends, boyfriends who are dating that were far too old for me. And and, um, you know, no one really cared what was happening to me. I, I didn't feel any love at all. I had one, one relative who really showed me love, and that was my grandmother, but she was you know, so far removed from what was going on. She had no idea I was in survival mode, you know, and I, um, 
ended up getting kicked out for the last time at 16. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. So I ended up bouncing around from some friends' houses to neighbors, my grandmother's for a little bit and ended up getting my GED uh, at 17 because I just needed to be working full time, support myself. At that time, I was very suicidal. You know, I didn't want to live anymore. I had become emotionally numb from all the horrible mental abuse I dealt with at my mother's house. I was a very sensitive child who was just thrown into all of that. And um, I just kind of shut down emotionally and couldn't feel anything. So I thought, you know, this isn't, I don't want to be here anymore. And um, really had a death wish for a while and, and made multiple suicide attempts. Uh, the last one led me into the hospital for uh, several days and I was in a coma. Um, but you know, I made it, I made it through that. And, you know, I know I was supposed to be here for a reason looking back. Um, it really was amazing and a miracle that I did make it through. Um, but you know, I got pregnant at 19, married at 19, divorced at 22. So now I find myself a single mom, (laughs) right? But, you know, that was really what started me kind of now that I'm really truly on my own. I have this, my son to ground me. I'm, I'm, you know, now you have this amazing sense of responsibility when you have kids. And, um, you know, I just started focusing on my career and tuning into, um, you know, really going for it. I I realized that, you know, death wasn't going to, my death wasn't going to kill me. I tried to kill myself. It didn't work. So might as well just go for everything that I want to go for. And I kind of went the opposite and just was like, well, if this, you know, I could die, I've already gone down that path in my mind, or I could just go for it. So that's what I ended up doing. And, you know, it was a lifetime of journey to get to where I am today, which is, you know, I ended up getting, you know, working my way up the corporate ladder to a good six figure income at a fairly young age, started a couple of different businesses. The last one I sold, uh, well, not last one, because I have some now, but the last one that I sold in 2019, I sold for half a million dollars. And I started it with just 400 bucks and my laptop, you know, um, and had it as a home-based business. Um, and so, you know, and here I am now writing this book, I've got it launching, uh, on March 8th. I'm a speaker. Now I host workshops. I empower other women and it's like a complete 180. Right. And yeah. the, the book really was written because I, I had to write about the journey of what got me to this place. Um, and, and that's really what that was. It was a journey. And I I kind of unraveled that to share my experiences with everyone, other women, other women, because I found through talking with my friends and such, um, that my, my way of thinking, what grew to be really putting myself first and choosing my happiness and walking away from toxic situations, valuing myself enough to walk away from jobs or demand more if I wasn't being valued and go, you know what, I, I'm worth more than this. I'm going to walk away and go where I am, you know, paid what I'm worth. And um all of that, it, it was a journey to get to that point. And so breaking it down and putting it in a book and backing it up with a lot of science and research and other stories and all of that really was uh, an amazing journey. But, you know, here we are. Yeah, I, I'm curious, like, you know, I mean, you know, kind of what we do in, in our industry. And I I definitely think that there's there's some tips or tactics that you might be able to share with my audience who are routinely pretty much the only woman on the job, right? So yeah. they're put into difficult situations a lot of times. 
um, where they can't really feel like they can be themselves and be the a powerful woman, right? Yeah. What would you say to some of the women in the construction or trades industries that are in very male-dominated industries? And it's often you're trying to not pull attention to yourself, right? Yeah. You're trying yeah. to to not be seen as the outlier, right? Um, like what would you say to some of those women that you think might be able to help them with where they are right now? Absolutely. You know, everything, I find that all relationships are a reflection of our relationship with ourselves, especially when it comes in the workplace as well. So for example, if you want to be respected, you have to have self-respect. If you want people to have confidence in you, you've got to have the self-confidence. And some of the things that we are you know, programmed with and conditioned as, as women, we grow up with this modeled by our mothers are they, they, we, we take them on unconsciously. So for example, um, most people don't realize this, but we form around 95% of our beliefs by the time we're age seven. Mm-hmm. Seven. This is beliefs about the world around us, beliefs about what we're capable of, including what a boy should be, what a girl should be, and all of that. And then we just kind of hardwire that in and don't mm-hmm. even ever think about it again. But there are these social norms that I try to shine a huge spotlight on that really need a lot of attention that we're not conscious of, that we have integrated into part of us as women that really aren't serving us and are very disempowering. So, for example, you know, one of those things is doing like the office housework, like when you're, you know, at the office or in a workplace situation, like usually it's the women, you know, getting the coffee, planning the parties, doing the work events and all of that. And you don't usually see the men there doing that. But, you know, the truth is when we do those things and that's not equal, we're you know, split between men and women. What it does is it, it, it ends up equating into less pay, less promotions, mm-hmm all of that. Right. And so sometimes you just got to step up and say, you know what, why am I being asked to do this? Why isn't Joe being Mm -hmm. asked? You know, I mean, when you show, you know, like you look around, you go, Hey, this isn't fair treatment. Um, Let's look at this situation and you bring attention to it. Then it's like, Oh, Oh, that's right. You know, we should be having equal, you know, everything, including the tasks at work. I mean, why should the office housework fall on the women? Um, I have a quick story to share on that. If you, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I was, I had just started working in a, at a a tech firm in Silicon Valley and I was like in biz dev business development, um, had been there for just a a month or two. And, um, the company had just been acquired by another company out of India. So the new president flies in to meet everyone for the first time at our Monday morning meeting. So he's sitting at the boardroom table at the head. I happened to sit next to him on one side, my boss, who was the VP was sitting across from me and another colleague who was at my same level, but a guy was sitting next to him. And then the rest of the people were there. And the uh, new president was, you know, and I started chatting for like a minute. It was very brief, but just kind of getting to know each other. And, and he looks at me and he says, Jenna, it'd be really nice to have some coffee right about now. Wouldn't you like some coffee? And I was like, "Mm, no, I'm good. You know, I don't drink coffee this time of day. And uh, my boss, you know, who's sitting across from me, he literally, I'm kidding you not, his mouth was gaping open, like literally jaw down open. And I'm like, what, what in the hell is like, what's that? Right. So, um, my colleague who we've spent some time together, he'd been training me. So he knew me a bit. He's like, Hey, Jenna, you know, I know you like a good 
Starbucks latte. Wouldn't you like a latte right about now? Like, and I'm like, no, actually, if I have coffee, I'll be awake all night. I can't deal with caffeine at this time of day. I'll skip it, you know? And um, there was just this weird <laughs> silence, right? And okay, meeting goes on. We move on without coffee. And then after the meeting, my colleague comes by my my cubicle. He's like, hey, um, would you mind showing me how to use the coffee machine in the break room? I'm like, I have no freaking idea how to use that thing, right? I've never made coffee here. I come in, the coffee's made. Yeah. Why are you asking me? <laughs> you know? No answer to that. And I just like, huh, that's weird. But I just went on throughout my day, you know, didn't think about it. Then I go to my boss's office to say, good night. The new president is sitting at his desk. So right across from him, I'm standing at the doorway and, and the president looks to me and he goes, you know what, Jenna, I really look up to you. And I'm just like, hmm, okay. must be because I'm wearing heels. You know, <laughs> I laughed and they all laughed and I said, good night again. I mean, this is ignorant me. I'm like, what the hell just happened like today? What's up with this coffee thing? So I'm like thinking about it on my way home and I'm like, oh my God, it hit me. These guys fully expected me to get them coffee because they wanted coffee. And I didn't, I didn't, it didn't, you didn't didn't, budge. (laughs) I didn't budge because I didn't think about it because I was only thinking of, you know, I wasn't thinking of their needs because why do their needs concern me? If I don't need coffee, why should I go get them coffee? And that's the point I was trying to make is that, you know, when you have self-respect, you get instant respect. And I got instant respect from the president. And he even was like, Jenna, you should put her on the, the Cisco account. Like no, massive, massive. Yeah. Like why? Because I want to get coffee for that. <laughs> well, because we often as women put ourselves in helper positions, right? Yeah, yeah. Sort of subservient or submissive, like slightly lower than other people. Right. But what that does over time is you, you are not seen as the natural choice for leadership, the natural choice for taking on hard things. Right. Yeah. So I think how you, you know, how you present, I mean, what's the, there's like a percentage that like 90% of our decisions and choices about people are based on unconscious bias. Right. And subconscious things that are going on underneath. And it's Mm. like, you know, people are only going to perceive you the way you basically perceive yourself Yourself. and communicate that. And a lot of times it's just body language and how you carry yourself and, Mm -hmm. and also what you do or won't do. Right. Yeah. Um, I love, you have a quote that you say, the only people who get upset when you set boundaries are those who benefited from you not having any. Mm -hmm. And I love that because this is basically kind of what you did. You set a boundary on coffee. Yeah. (laughs) That, um, you know, your, their needs weren't more important than what you wanted to do. Yeah. And it's not selfish. It's not selfish. People would say, well, that's just so, why don't you just be a helper? Why don't you just go with the flow? Mm. Well, that's true, but that's a slippery slope, right? Yeah. It ends up where you get resentful because you don't feel like you get what you want. Yeah. And it's a direct result of how you create boundaries. I think a lot of times. Um, oh, well, it's how do you want to be seen and valued? Am I the coffee go getter? Like I'm the errand right. runner, or do you want to be seen as the one that's promotable, you know? And, and so it's being 
cognizant of those social norms. Another one is um, being the nice girl. I call it nice girl syndrome. It's something all of us have to do do it. (laughs) Yeah. And you know what? It's, we are so worried about being seen as mean or rude or, um, uh, Yeah, yeah, bitchy that we are, we go so far the other way that we abandon ourselves in right. the process. And we tell ourselves basically that we don't matter to us, that these other people matter more than we matter to us. And what, what I try to do is help, help women reframe this nice, uh, nice girl syndrome into, I'm not being mean. I'm being nice to me. Mm, that's interesting. I like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm being nice to me. Well, I think you have a, you have a thing around like your biggest relationship is with yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. I think you have, I, I read something that you posted around that. Like, you know, you, why would you take other people's opinions of you over your own opinion of yourself? Yeah. And that needs to be a good opinion of yourself, right? Not a yep. low opinion of yourself. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, exactly. And, and so that kind of goes with that as well. Um, what are, what are a few of the like sort of self-love saboteurs that women do to each other outside of nice girl syndrome and, um, you know, some of the ones we've talked about, like, what are a couple more that you see out there? Absolutely. And a great question. One of the big ones is guilt. Mm. So as women, especially, there's a lot of research that I uncovered uh, while writing this book that actually is very fascinating. Men and women are not afflicted by guilt in the same way. So men Mm. are afflicted by guilt when they drink too much or eat too much. They'll feel guilty that they did that. Women feel guilty when they fear that they're hurting someone else's feelings or doing Yes, I have that myself and I know better. (laughs) We all do. We all do. But here's what the research shows that and psychologists will tell you this. This is this is science that guilt is not an indication that you're doing something wrong necessarily. Sometimes it might mean that you're breaking a moral code. And then we think we're always breaking a moral code when guilt comes up. But more often than not, guilt means you are breaking a conditioned behavior. Hmm. You're breaking a pattern. So for example, and this is why it's a saboteur of self-love, we as women think it's selfish. We've been raised to think it's selfish to put ourselves first, that it's selfish and narcissistic if we make our needs our highest priority. And so if we even think about going down that path, we're like, we feel guilty, right? We feel guilty. And guess what the guilt does? It puts us right back in our programmed lanes as women. So what you're saying is, the feeling of guilt that, that kind of feels bad in the body, right. Mm-hmm, we mm-hmm. want to avoid the feeling in our body yep. is a conditioned response. And so it's just because you're doing it differently. Your brain yep. is doing it differently that it like triggers something where you kind of feel bad. Yep. We label as guilt, mm-hmm. but it's really not a real emotion. It's just, you're doing a, something. You're just going against a conditioned response. Yep. Exactly. Isn't that eye opening? It's like, huh. Wow. So basically I I talk about this in the book. We let one of the saboteurs is we let guilt drive our behavior. Yeah. Yep. And that sabotages our self-love big time, big time. Yeah. Because the reality is, yes, you, there is a chance that you actually did hurt someone's feelings, Mm -hmm. but I think we also dramatize Mm-hmm. We magnify how big, big the quote unquote injury is, right? It yeah. might just be a slight little thing and then the person's past it. But meanwhile, we're worried that, oh my God, like we've really, really hurt them. 
yeah. like days later, right? Like <laughs> days later, we're still thinking about it. Yeah. We're worried about it. Then we go and apologize. Then we make all this amends, right? Yeah. Like, and the reality is it might've just been a very small thing, mm-hmm. but, but that feeling of us feeling bad is just because our body is triggered. Yeah. Like we're going against the grain. That's really helpful. Yeah. I find it very, very helpful because that I, I don't go with that feeling of guilt anymore. I examine it and I go, Hmm, is this just yeah. trying to keep me in my old people pleasing? Yeah. Did I actually really do something here? I should apologize for, or, or reach out to that person, or is it just me, you know, equally being able to do what I feel like is right. And that person as well. And maybe it's just not, they don't quite line up, but that doesn't yeah. mean it's really like injured that person. Right. <laughs> they so didn't get what they wanted. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. The prime example is, let's say, you know, I talk about this in the book too, is like you say yes when you really want to say no. So let's say you take this opportunity, go, okay, I'm going to try this on for size. I don't feel like doing this favor that someone's asking me to do. I'm just going to say, no, I can't. You're going to probably feel guilty about it, right? Like, well, they always rely on me, but they're going to think that's weird, that something's wrong. You start to feel this guilt. And if you let that guilt, like make you say yes then um, you're just going to always be putting yourself last on your list. You know, you got to learn, you know, it's okay to set up my boundaries. It's okay to say no. Yes, I'm going to feel guilty, but that's just me breaking my program behaviors. Right. Exactly. It's not like a real thing. It's just your body going a little bit like, whoop, oh, Mm -hmm. something new is happening here. Um, So, okay. Well, I really like that's, that's really helpful. (laughs) Um, I actually had a an incident happened um, later this week where someone had asked me for some advice and I had given her the advice and her feelings were hurt. And then I felt really bad, mm-hmm. right? but it was really just an honest reflection. And she had asked for that, right. Feedback. Yeah. Yeah. And it wasn't done in a hurtful way at all, but you're right. I, for days and days, I felt bad about that. Yeah. And then I caught my, you know, I basically reached back out and, and apologized and, you know, let her know I didn't mean to hurt her feelings and all that. And she was like, oh, I, oh yeah, I was fine. I knew exactly. I was good. She's like, <laughs> See? she was so, like, I know you have the best of intentions. And she's like, you were just looking out for me. And I had asked for the feedback and same. I was like, oh God, I feel so much better. <laughs> so here is what the science now shows. I now know. <laughs> now, you know, the read the data, that research shows that what we do as women is we turn guilt into shame and anger at ourselves. This is something we're doing to ourselves or beating ourselves up. And it's usually not justified. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Because if you're a nice person, you know, you're not really actively trying to actually hurt people and take from other people. Right. Like we're not talking about that. We're just talking about like your feelings and needs are just as important as someone else's. And you have a right to stand up for those things. Right. Totally. Um, so, okay. So you've got, so the book comes out on March 8th and I know you have also a summit coming out on March 8th. This episode will come out after that, but ladies, please go and sign up for that. Get on her list. She's got some amazing things coming up. Um, and I know that you're thinking about being in our summit that's coming up in June. So you'll do some more special training in that. Definitely. Um, can you give us before we go, like maybe one to two pieces of advice that you think would help the women specifically in my audience that are dealing with, um, you know, really trying to be themselves yeah. and be taken seriously in a male dominated industry that, um, you know, that you think might be a little, a little different than what you've said so far. Can you think of anything else before we wrap up? 
Yeah, well, I would just say, you know, someone listening right now might be like, well, I I love myself. Like I do love myself, but the book is called I Love Me More for a reason. It's not enough to just love yourself. You have to love yourself more, more than your boss Mm. who might ask you to overextend and you might want to say no, more than your partner, right? more than your kids. And I know it might sound selfish, but we have to break this idea that self-love is selfish. That is what is keeping us from our power. When we love ourselves more, more than anyone else, we fill ourselves up with our own love and we start overflowing with it. And then we can give from our overflow. And it's such a more powerful place to give from because you've got so much more to give. You don't have that resentment when you're not getting what you need from your partner because you're making yourself happy. You're filling yourself up with your own love. You're not feeling resentment at your boss for making you overwork because you're standing up for yourself. You're saying, no, I'm going to lay some boundaries, right? It is so important for us to love ourselves more than anyone else. And a good litmus test is to ask yourself right now, who, let me, if I write a list of the people I love the most, would you be on that list? Mm, Wow. That's really powerful. (laughs) That's really interesting. Um, because I consider myself a very confident person with a good sense of self-esteem, right. Done a lot of things I feel proud of and, and accomplished a lot, I feel. Um, but you're right. I, that makes me pause, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's all of us pause. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for that. I think that was a perfect ending. And, um, I can't wait to see more of you in the summit and, and your own summit. And I'm going to buy the book for like about five of my girlfriends, a little book club around it, kind of talk about it. Um, but thank you so much for being here. This was really, really insightful. Thank you so much for having me. I love this conversation so, so much. for listening to remodel your life i sure have enjoyed being with you today and if you really like our show we'd love it if you would subscribe through itunes you can always send us feedback through email at camille at remodelyourlifepodcast.com and i'll see you next week Thank you for listening to the Remodel Your Life podcast. This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to RemodelYourLifePodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show.